a big shout. Come on. Another big clap. Come on, let's give him a big shout. Give Jesus a big shout. Wonderful. Do you know, you may be um, visiting with us this morning because one of the candidates that went through the waters of baptism you're related to, and we want to give you such a warm welcome into this place. You may have gathered that we love Jesus very much. We sing about him. We shout about him. In fact, our whole life really is on a course in a relationship with him that we are deeply, deeply thankful for. You see, if you go around this room today, there's many different lives represented here, many different backgrounds that Jesus has reached out to. Some here this morning, when he found them, were very successful, doing very well, very strong, in some senses self-sufficient, and yet they discovered a corruption within them that they had no control over. Jesus came to the high, reached them, brought salvation for which they're very grateful about. So he reaches the successful. He reaches the self-sufficient. But also if you go around this room today, you'll find those among us that were at a really pitiful place in life, really in dire straits, in need, plagued with life, burdened by life going through really tough, hard things. And Jesus, he's got this amazing ability to reach into lives that are so full of variety, so different in their needs, so different in their life situations. He's got this all-encompassing ability to be able to reach and touch and be sufficient to every life that he finds, it's something that only God can do. It's something that only Jesus, as Savior, can perform. And that's what he's done. You go around this room, it's, it has people within it that are really successful, who were really prosperous when they came to their knees and asked him to fulfill or fill the loneliness in their heart. You find those among us that were poor, impoverished by life. In the same need, in the same plight, this hole inside needing filling. That's the wonderful thing about Jesus. And really, I'm saying that to say this to you that may be visiting today, that this might seem a little strange. I completely understand. I completely understand. Sometimes it's a little bit overwhelming. But we do all of this. We meet regularly in this room and in the homes that we have. We meet regularly for this one reason. Really, this is what it boils down to. We're just really thankful. And we can't, we can't ever get away from the fact that Jesus loved us where he found us. He didn't condemn us. He didn't criticize us. He didn't give us a list of rules or, you know, a series of hoops to jump through or a, you know, a tightrope to walk 
on and perform. No, he just loved us where he found us and he reached us and he saved us. And now he's unpacking this wonderful, beautiful life. Not problem free, far from it. But a wonderful, beautiful life inside us that gives us the peace that our world craves, that you can't buy with money, that isn't in the bottom of a bottle, that can't be found in a new fling or a fresh relationship. No, Jesus gives it so freely, so unconditionally, and so lovingly. So really, that's one of the reasons why we do what we do, and we just love it. We love to sing our songs. We love to shout our praise. We love just to hear the mention of his name, Jesus. You're visiting today, and maybe this is a little opener for you. Maybe you'll go back to your home, and there will be a local church around you that you'll be able to, you know, maybe check out. And who knows, it could be the start of a great journey, of a great relationship that Christ Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, wants to have with you. It's a personal, listen, it's a personal relationship. It's an intimate heart. It's a deep relationship that he has with you. And it begins the moment, the moment that you call out on his name, Jesus Jesus, please come into my heart. It's as simple as that. Simple as that. You'll find him there. You'll find him there. Not because I'm saying it, but because he has declared it and he's never disappointed one individual that has made that simple cry from their heart. Lord, please, please, receive me. As your friend, receive me, save me. I tell you, try it. Try it. Take a moment in your, in your day. Take a moment by your bedside and pray that prayer. And I'm telling you now, there may not be a clap of thunder and a strike of lightning and angels, you know, appearing in your room. But I'm telling you now, I tell you, on the, on the assurance of what Jesus has said, your life will take on a wonderful, wonderful change, a wonderful blessing that you are looking for. Is that okay? Fantastic. This morning, I'm just going to use the remainder of our time just to continue on with some things that I spoke about just a week Sunday ago. And I was talking to you about the fact that we are created for connection. We're created for a connection. The Bible shows us this very clearly as believers, created for connection. We're created for connection with our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. It's wonderful, isn't it, to have a living connection with God, to know that you don't have to get religious or go through a strict regime or routine in your relationship with Him. He just receives you as a father would his children. He dotes over us. He loves us. He loves just to hear the, the concerns and the, and, and the appeals of our hearts. He loves to hear not only the concerns of our hearts, but he loves to hear the hopes, the dreams, the aspirations 
that we have. He's a loving heavenly father and we have an unbroken connection with our father in heaven through Jesus Christ. We really do. And the scriptures clearly show that. That's your assurance. You don't ever have to think, does God listen to me? Is God concerned with me? Oh, let us never ever wonder. Let us never ever worry about that. No, God has clearly declared we have an unbroken connection through Jesus Christ with our Heavenly Father. Even, even Jesus said when he was instructing his disciples, they were asking him how they should pray. They'd gone to the religious temples. They'd seen the, 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 the people with all of their religious paraphernalia. And they'd seen the high and mighty pray and how lofty it was and, and, and how you know, qualified you had to be in order to kind of enter that arena. They, they'd seen all the prayers of their day. And they said, Jesus, seeing all of this, how should we pray? And we know the prayer well that Jesus spoke to them from his heart. He said, listen, why don't you start it like this? Father in heaven, hallowed, holy be thy name. A prayer that had never been heard before. A prayer that had never been spoken. A prayer that had never been given. He unveils from his heart to them. And he says, listen, you've got an unbroken connection with God. You don't have to call him almighty. You don't have to call him God. Yes, you reverence him. Yes, he is almighty. Yes, he is God. But when you go before him, you can call him father. What is that unbroken connection? Open access 24-7 for the rest of your life and even beyond it. Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Beautiful. And then we said that not only do we have a connection with our, our heavenly Father through Christ, as an outcome and as a result of that connection with him, we have a connection one with another. We're connected with the body of Christ. We're the church of the living God. This is the household of faith. This is what the Bible calls it. We are interconnected one with another. And we're not solely connected with one another as a result of a series of choices that we have made. No. The Bible tells us that we've been called together even beyond the choices that we've been made uh, even beyond the choices that we've been made, and we've been brought together as a result of God's good grace in making this family, in bringing us together as God's church. As we're connected one with another, as we have fellowship with one another on a Sunday and through our connect groups and in our teams, on beyond that, we're commissioned together now to be connected to a disconnected world. There's a world around us that's disconnected. There's a city at large, Newport, 
and the surrounding regions that are completely disconnected to the God that saved us, to the God that we know as Father. They're disconnected from the fellowship and the family and the blessing that God has placed in his household. The very thing that Jesus prizes and builds and is committed to build, even against all odds and all obstacles, he said, I will build my church. That's talking about you and me. But this world around us is completely disconnected to the wonderful provision of having a heavenly father, to the wonderful blessing of fellowship that we have as God's people. And because of that, we're equipped to reach a disconnected world. We're commissioned by God to reach people at all levels of life where we find ourselves, whether that's in work, whether that's in our families, whether whatever situation that you're in. There's something burning in your heart. There's something that you can't stamp out. There's something that, that is there as a result of the Holy Spirit and the life of Christ in you. It's it's a passion, it's an impulse to reach others. That's placed there by God. To reach out to others that are disconnected, to connect with the disconnected. We looked at the parable of, or actually it's not a parable, we looked at the story of the Good Samaritan. And we saw how the priest just simply walked past that man that was dying. Religion with no compassion. Religion. Performance that looks good on the outside but has no heart to reach and connect that which is disconnected. And that dying man on that Jericho road represents a whole city, a whole nation around us that is plagued by incurable ills, mental disease. Gender identity. You can list it. I mean, the list is endless. A world that is plagued, young people, old people, plagued with questions that they cannot answer. And the heart is, is, is dark. And the people, like Isaiah said, sit in gross darkness. We're connected to God. We're commissioned to reach disconnected people that are languishing in life. And God's going to use us as he is. Like that good Samaritan. The most unlikeliest candidate. The most unlikeliest person. That they would have thought that would have done such a thing. Gets off his gets off his, his, his mule and he ministers to that dying man and he, he's the bridge, he's the bridge to that dying man's new future. I tell you, God's going to use you as a bridge, as a means from darkness, from bringing people from darkness into God's wonderful light. God's going to use your words, he's going to use your actions, he's going to use your home, your home where you live. You're going to open your doors and it's going to be a bridge of blessing. It's going to be a bridge leading people from despair, leading people from, from just 
complete hopelessness into a place of new life. It really is. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited that God has declared in His Word clearly that He wants to use our lives to establish His kingdom, that He wants to use us to serve His purpose in our generation, that we are to be the light of the world, a city on a hill in a dark place, so that our lives can be useful for His work and His kingdom in this city and in the, in the vicinities around it. That's exciting. It really is. You know, when you think about a church, when you think about the heart of a church, how can the heart of a church be examined? Well, you don't just solely examine the heart of a church by what a church says. Talk is cheap. It's cheap. I'm telling you now, you examine the heart of a church, not solely by what it says. What it says is important. It is important. But you, you examine the heart of a church, really, by the work of its hand by the work of its hand. And I'm telling you now, when as we review, and I'm not going to review it, I've reviewed things over, over the months, but I'm telling you, you look at the work of the hands of the people in this church. And I thank God for it. I thank God because I'm telling you now, we're not just a church that spouts off a load of hot air. We are a church. And there are other churches, many other churches in Newport and in South Wales that are doing incredible works, doing wonderful works. And we thank God for it. But for our church, isn't it great that God's entrusted us to do a good work for Him? And this morning, for the time that I have, and I'm going I'm to cover this in the weeks to come, but for the time that I have left, this morning, I'm going to think about, or I want us to think about good works that come from a good heart. Good works that come from a good heart. This is not rocket science. This is really simple, really practical, but it does really separate the men from the boys, if you want to say it that way. It really does separate the talkers from the walkers. And God, you see, God wants us to enter into the good works that he has for us. Do you know why? Not because he wants to get his pound of flesh from you, but there's such a thrilling, exhilarating experience when you're walking in those predetermined works that God has ordained for your life. You're not just saved to sing songs. You're saved to change a city. You're changed to save a nation. You're changed to save your neighborhood. You're changed. You're saved. Sorry. You're, you're saved to change to affect great change, to bring life wherever you go. You really are. Wonderful. What a commission. What a responsibility. Jesus said this brilliantly. Very simply, but profoundly. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 
16 to verse 18. He talked, talking about fruit, talking about good works, talking about not only the inputs into our life, but the actual output of our life. He says this, you will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs? From thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. Nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Jesus, we want the teaching to be a bit deeper. Jesus, could we have a bit more mystery? No, we'll keep it simple. We'll pull up here. Let's talk about the output of your life. Let's talk about how you assess and how you bring an inventory about what you're doing and who you are. Let's really narrow it down and make it simple. And we'll use this tree over here and that tree over there, boys. Look at this tree, full of fruit. Isn't it very good? Yes, Jesus, it's very good. Now, boys, look at this tree. Rotten to the core. No fruit. Bad tree, boys, isn't it? Yes, Jesus. Bad tree. Right, boys. Well, life can be like that. You see, Jesus was profound. Jesus was direct. Jesus just would go straight to the heart of the matter. Cut away all the candy floss. Cut away all of the trimmings. And he would go right to the root of the matter. He'd say, listen, boys, this is how you've got to examine your life. This is how you've got to assess your life. I'm not saying this to condemn you, but listen now. Good fruit, good fruit, good tree. Bad fruit, bad tree. Simple. Simple. You see, there's never, there's never a bad time to do a good work. And there's never a good time to do a bad work, is there? You've just got to commit to do a good work. Every day, get up with this waking thought, who am I going to bless today? At the close of the day, look back on the day and you will be amazed at how many people you've blessed. You will. I'm telling you now, if you go out into every day saying, Lord, today's going to be a good day. This is the day the Lord's... This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. So what have you made for me to encounter in this day, Lord? Not tomorrow, not yesterday. What have you made specially for me in this day to do good in? Because this is a day that you have made and I'm rejoicing in it. I'm expectant about it, that I'm going to meet somebody that I can bless. I'm going to meet somebody that I can do good for. I'm going to meet somebody that's going to need the fruitfulness of my life as a provision for their need. Wonderful. Get up every day with that expectation and you will, you'll be amazed. At the close of every day, you'll have a smile on your face and you'll say, my God, it's been wonderful to be blessed, but it's even more wonderful to be a blessing from the blessing that I've been blessed with. Try it tomorrow. And then the next day, 
And then on from there, and you'll find that your life is immersed with good work. Good work. Paul, in his letters, many letters, had an amazing ability when he was writing to the church. He, could, he, he had this amazing ability to describe God's plan for salvation. And he talks about how God comes into those dark moments of our lives in Christ and he redeems us and he lifts us and he saves us. He, he, he pictures how, how Jesus provided for us in an incredible way. Picture in salvation, he had this incredible ability in his, in his letters, in his writings. But Paul didn't just paint pictures about the wonderful salvation that has been given to us as believers. Paul unveiled the purpose of salvation. It's wonderful to paint pictures. It's wonderful to relish in the work of salvation. And it's wonderful to know the picture. But oh, to be engaged with the purpose, the very purpose of salvation, that's a different thing altogether. Let me show you. Ephesians chapter 2, in just one verse, he talks about the picture of salvation, and then he discloses this purpose that is so glorious, this purpose that is so beautiful, this purpose for which the church has been birthed. This purpose is for your life and my life. He says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ. What a beautiful picture. But listen to the purpose behind this wonderful work of salvation, this wonderful work of God in your life. We've been created, for, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There's good works that's been prepared for your life, for my life, for us collectively as a church in this city, in this nation. They've been prepared by God beforehand so that we might walk in them. What a wonderful walk it is to walk and to, to, to administer a good work here, administer a good work there, for your life to be teeming with good works. We don't have to be apathetic. We, our lives don't have to be at, you know, at a dead-end place. You've been created on the basis, not on the, I'm, this isn't a pep talk or a motivational speech. I'm giving you the Word of God here. It's up to you to believe it and release it and get on with it. Amen? Like I've got to get on with it. You've been created. You're the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus, created for good works, prepared beforehand, before you were even born. What a journey. What a destiny. What just a, a, an explosive adventure. What a life. And the church, the early church especially, just ran tirelessly in their discovery of finding the good works 
that they were called to do in every city, in every nation. I mean, they just thought it was going to begin and end in Jerusalem. And, and, and 50 years in, they'd gone all over the world and defeated the Roman Empire. My God, God's incredible. Incredible. May have been a bit longer than 50 years. Maybe 51. I'd have to check my history on that. But it's incredible. Needless to say, the Roman Empire came down as a result of Constantine changing, changing the laws and the rules and breaking apart that empire as a result of being converted to Christ. Telling you. Could have been a couple of hundred years. Who knows? But the fact remains. Good works. Good works. The, the, the new church were, was profuse with good works. Not just, you know, not just great preaching. There was that. Not just sound doctrine. There was that. Not just revelation. But everything they did, everything they spoke was saturated. Saturated in, an, in, a, in a work and evidenced by the work of their hand in what they did within the world in which they lived. Why? Because their great example was Jesus. And the Bible says about Jesus in Hebrews, and this must have resonated in their hearts so powerfully. He said, he said, Lo, it is written in the volume of the book, I have come to do, to do, to do, to do. Not to speak about, I've come to do your will, oh God. I'm going to do it. My life is going to do your will. I'm not just going to be a nice preacher that turns up in synagogues. No, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to speak to the poor and to bring good news to them, to, to lift that spirit of poverty off them. I'm going to the brokenhearted, I'm going to the oppressed, I'm going to the prisoner, and they're going to experience life-changing freedom by my good works. Acts 10, 38, oh, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing doing. I'm telling you, church, look around. Look at the outputs of this church, and you will see a church that is doing. But I'm telling you now, we're going to go to another level. We're going to go to another level, not as a result of, of my talks, right? The Holy Spirit is going to impel us, and there's going to be an explosion within us to do the will of Him who has sent us. Not the will of a man, but you're going to be engaged with the Word of God in your private times. And you're going to understand the counsels of God and you're going to have a burden that's going to impel you to do what God is calling you to do within this city. And let me tell you, it may be opening your home and becoming the Connect leader. We need at least another 30 Connect groups. And we haven't even started then. Anybody want to open their home? I can ask it because mine's open every second week. So I wouldn't ask you if I wasn't doing it. Anybody want to be a leader? Anybody have an open home that we can use? We need to use them. Because we've got people queuing up. People queuing up to go to connect. We want to be in a family. We want, we'd like to be in your family. Come on in. Come on in. Come and see us. We, I think we've got about 20 connect groups at the moment. Near on 200 people in, in them. That's fantastic. But I'm telling you now, there's over 100,000 people in this, 
in this, in this city. And they need to be reached and they need to be brought into a fresh connection with God. And they need to be brought into a gathering like this where they can be encouraged and, and understand that there's a family around them. And then on beyond this room, they want to be brought into a loving home, a caring home, where they can be helped and discipled. Not, not given a registration form to go on a course. No, to be brought into a loving home that's got food on the table where we eat together, we fellowship with one another, and we discuss the Word of God just in, in general terms. And then before you know it, people are opening up. You're, meet, you're meeting their needs. You're praying for the sick, and you're carrying one another's burdens. That's what the kingdom of God is about. It really is. So, hey, listen, there's the challenge. I'd like another 30, I'd like another 30 homes to do Connect Group in. Are you going to answer my prayer? Yeah. Or is it just going to be a nagging prayer to God? Lord, well, you know, answer my prayer, please. Answer my prayer. Open your home. Get, but, there's, but, but we haven't got enough people. We haven't got enough people um, to go into those 30 homes. No, we'll just take you on a journey as Connect Group leaders. And it, it's just our way of saying, hey, Lord, there's some more empty nets. There's some more empty jars. Here they are, Lord. We'll just, we'll just keep our homes open until you fill them. You know what blessed me this morning? I saw Goff. Where's Goff? Goff here. Godfrey. The Lord had need of you. What blessed me this morning? Goff goes out on the bus as he does with others. I think Dave Jeans does it as well. Goes out on the bus and they go to Dufferin and areas of Newport to pick people up. It's a 16-seater bus, nice bus. And do you know what the Holy Spirit just said to me when I saw Goff go out on that bus? He said, it's irrelevant if anybody gets on it. The fact that Goff is going out in it is enough for me. You see? It's irrelevant. Who, now, we want the bus to be filled. We want there to be multiple trips, don't we, Goff? Back and forth, picking people up, filling the house of God. Enable. It's irrelevant, he says, how many people get on it. What the Holy Ghost sees and honors and is blessed by is the fact that somebody's using it and going out on it. Will you open your home? There it is again. Will you open it? Yes or no? It can only be yes or no, not might be. Yes, I will. Great. No, I won't. Nobody's coming in my home. As long as you know you've said no, that's important. I brought you to a point of decision. That's really important that you say no. You haven't got to tell me. I am, I'm not asking you to put your hand up, but I'll just let you say no. And you can understand now that that's in you so God can go to work. All right? Fabulous. Listen, I'm just telling you how it works for me. I've been on the front row in here, and I've had people preaching up here before, I, before we were leading. Right? And, I, and they've been talking about things. I have been seething with anger. And, and I'm talking, I'm, I'm one of the pastors in the church. How dare you get off? Do you know what it is? A religious spirit. A pharisaical, religious, hard-hearted spirit. And it, I, I'm not doing that. No. So I'm just bringing you to a point 
where I've been brought to many times. Because I've got to do that because I'm the pastor here, I'm the shepherd here, and I'm responsible to get the good works, the good works of God out of your heart that you've been created for in Christ Jesus. So open your homes, you little tinkers. We've got a city to win. We've got a nation to reach. We've got lost, dying people all around us that just need a bit of music in their life. Like that, like that prodigal son, just a party atmosphere. Come on, you're welcome. Come and have some food. You're depressed. You're sick. Yeah, but that's all right. We're your friends. We're going to help you. We're going to bear the stretcher for you. And we're not here for five minutes, ten minutes, or a month. We're here for the rest of your life because we love you. It's great, isn't it? It's great. Now, Paul understood that the picture of salvation can never be detached, can never be detached. Or the plan of salvation, the picture of salvation, can never be detached from the purpose of salvation. The purpose of salvation is good work. And there's never a wrong time to do a good work and there's never a right time to do a bad work. So let's get to work, church, and do a great work for God. If it's encouraging a person that's struggling, that's downcast, that's a good work. God might not send you to the uttermost parts of the earth, like the Caribbean, doing beach evangelism in the Caribbean. We've all prayed those prayers. Supping a margarita, well, you know, Jesus is so good. No. (laughs) He may not do that. But who knows? You never know. But no, a good, you see, a good work is just reaching out to the one. Reaching out. I think we'll go across the, the lake today, boys. There's somebody that I need to meet. They go through a storm, all hell breaks loose. And then they get to the other side and the disciples see this raving maniac running at Jesus, naked. He's got cuts all over his body. And they're thinking, my God, this can't be the person that Jesus has has talked about that he needs to meet. And there it is. Yes, boys, this is the one. Come out of him. (laughs) I mean, you see, it could be just one. It could be just one. But as as you commit yourself just to the one, just to the one. It's amazing what can happen. Jesus committed himself to one man. He cast the devils out of him, changed his life, gave him some, some clothes to, to go on his way. And this man was desperate to go and follow Jesus. And Jesus said, no, go home to your family. So do you know what he did before he went home to his family? He went through five cities declaring the wonderful works of God in his life. Saved, delivered, empowered to go and do a good work in five cities, five regions, just spilling out of him the goodness of God. Wherever he went, that's a good work. Not sent to Bible school. Three classes a day in theology. No, just get right out into the harvest and start where you are. Once you were blind, but now I can see. Come on. You're more than able, church. You're more than equipped. You're loaded with the Spirit of God, packed 
with good works that God's prepared beforehand for you to walk in. This is what you were created for. Paul never detached the plan of salvation from the process of salvation. Philippians 2 verse 12 through to verse 15 says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. God's working in you. That's a beautiful picture of being part of God's workmanship. The plan of salvation is working within you. But Paul directs them. And he says, listen, whilst this is all working within you, you've got to work it out. Work it out. Use every day to work it out wherever you are. It doesn't mean to say that you're going to stand on a stage in front of masses of people, although that might be the calling of some here. But it could be in your office. Work it out. God's working within you. Work it out. Don't allow it to lay dormant. And then he brought guidance. Because when God, does to, when God starts to work things out from you, and when you start to work out your salvation, and when something beautiful begins to happen in the house of God, among the people of God, you need guidance. Because when things start to happen, let me tell you, everybody but everybody has got an opinion. How it should run, what we should do, and then before you know it, you've got your bureaucrat bureaucrats and all the rest of it, and they're stifling the work of God, and Paul goes on to say this, do all things without complaining and disputing. Don't dispute over the work of God. Don't dispute, dispute over the fruit that's produced through the life of another. Just let it go. Let them go. Let them thrive. Let them be blessed. Rejoice for them. Don't bring them down. No disputing, he says that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. I'm going to bring this to a close. I've got a lot more to say, but I, I, I need to bring this to a close right now just, just because of time. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. It's a wonderful... Yeah, let's give him, let's give Jesus praise for his word, for his word. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing to be engaged in the work of God. My, one of my functions here is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and oh, I'm telling you, you haven't got to come and ask me wondering what work there is to do. Just open the newspaper. There's your job description right there. Just turn your TV on. You'll see work that needs attending to by the church, by the people of God. Go out, just walk down Lower Dock Street for a couple of hours. Walk down Pill, walk onto the needy housing estates that we have surrounding us all over. 
There's work to do. Work to do. Good work. Good work to do. And we are so thankful. I tell you, I'm so thankful that the Lord is positioning us. We are poised. We are poised to go to another level in this area. And you are going to be so fulfilled in the good works that God has created for you beforehand that you might walk in them. Listen, don't doubt. Don't doubt. You're going to walk in them. You're going to walk in them. You're going to fulfill what God's called you to do with your life. As long as you come with an open heart. Like I said, it may be. It may be. Opening your home. Just consider it. Come and see us over the next few weeks. We've got Connect Group overseers that are going to help you, assist you. Connect Group overseers with a loving pastoral heart. We're all in with you, behind you. You're not going to get chucked in your home. You know, and, and a load of people that, that are strangers that you're not going to know. Although that might not be a bad idea. I'm up for that. In my house anyway. But no, we're with you. We're going to work with you. So just think about it over the next few weeks. Dave, stand up a second. Dave heads up our Connect Group, Connect Group leaders. Let's show our appreciation for Dave. You can see Dave. You can see Dave if you want to come on board as a Connect Group leader. And we'll take you through a journey and a process with us. It's exciting. We'd love to have you on board. Come and see me and Faye. Come and see Haley and Noel. Haley, Haley and Noel are Connect Group leader, uh, Connect Group overseers as well. Lee and Claire, Tony and Lara, uh, Alex and Chi-Chi. We're all in, in this together to, to, to bring this forward and to, to disciple and enrich the people that Jesus brings before us. Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for the openness of your heart, for the, the openness of your people's heart. The way in which they've received your word. Yes, it's been a little challenging. Yes, there's been some sharp edges to it. But Lord, thank you that it's your word. Thank you, Lord, that, that as it comes into our hearts, it might, have, it might have revealed some attitudes. It might have revealed some old hurts. Like you've done in me many times, Lord. But Lord, I thank you that when you bring us face to face with the state of our heart and even the outcomes of our life, you enable us to go forward into a new future. I pray for every person here. Lord, I pray for, I pray for those 30 connect groups that we need in this church, ready for the harvest that we're going to receive from this city. Lord, I pray for 30 connect group leaders, 30 homes, 30 homes. There's more than enough homes in this place, Lord, to provide the needs of this city. Now, Lord, I pray or for, for, a, for the growing needs of this city. Lord, I pray that you would soften hearts, you'd bring people forward. And Lord, I pray... That I pray that, that, that the whole church would come forward in this and we would have an open home to receive the great harvest and there would be multiplication and growth and there would be a great light from this city, from this place to reflect your goodness and your glory and the good works that you have ordained us to walk in. And all God's people said, Amen. Why did